Hey guys, and welcome to Off the Beaten Cliff. This week, we're doing something a little special. I sat down and had a conversation with Jeremy Levine of the Vinyl Countdown podcast. Jeremy was kind enough to come on and talk about his podcast, how he does things on his podcast. Uh, we talk about emo culture, we talk about uh, Twitter, all the fun stuff that... Uh, that uh, kind of explains how Jeremy and I met and how uh, he does his podcast. It was a really fun conversation. Uh, so go ahead and check it out and check out the Vinyl Countdown podcast. As for us, uh, this is going to be uh, kind of a different episode. Next week might be a little different as well. But if not, uh, we may be doing our Christmas song playlist. So if you have any ideas or if you want to beat us to the punch and get it out there early, let us know uh, what your favorite Christmas songs are and or holiday songs however however you want to uh, send it to us uh, send it to us on Instagram Twitter our Twitter is at off clef Instagram is at off the beaten clef and off the beaten clef at gmail if you want to reach us on email so without further ado let's get into our conversation with Jeremy Levine of the Vinyl Countdown podcast you know So yeah, I I wanted to talk to you guys just because um, my partner is a retail manager. So this time of year, as you can imagine, gets like crazy. So yeah. I wanted to talk to some emo veterans and just you know just shoot the shit and you know at least get some stuff out every week. And uh, you and Remi- I talked to the reminiscent guys at the same time, and I thought you guys would be the perfect place to start. I might not do too many of them, but you know. Um, I interact with you and reminiscent the most on Twitter, so yeah. I thought it would be fun to talk. Sounds good to me. I'm always up to discuss music, and you know, it. Uh, I, 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 on my show, I like to have, I like to interview people, but there are times where I just can't help it, and I'm just kind of screaming into the void by myself. But I always like to have somebody else to talk to. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess we can just go ahead and hop in since we're already talking. Um, okay. Uh, this is Jeremy Levine uh, from the Vinyl Countdown podcast. Um, I did a little uh, diving. You can correct me if any of this information is wrong. Uh, right. But Vinyl Countdown started in June 2019 and has 92 episodes and six mini-sodes. Uh, the host, Jeremy, covers albums and their vinyl releases. Vinyl Countdown has also had episodes interviewing bands such as Foxing, Weedus, Old Folks, and Set Your Goals. And uh, most recently, one of my favorite things you guys do is uh, the Spooktacular in the month of October, where Jeremy rewatches his favorite horror movies, uh, and he has guests and interviews, fun stuff like that. And episodes are released weekly on Fridays. That's it. All right. Well, Jeremy, thanks for having, or thanks for coming on with us, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Not a problem. Like I said, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so first off, uh, let's get started with um, where did. Where did you come up with the idea of the podcast? Uh, how did you get started with the Vinyl Countdown? Well, it's, it's kind of funny. It actually started, the idea at least, started kind of coming about in 2013, um, which I didn't know anything about podcasting then, but I was wanting to do like a uh, like a web thing, like a YouTube thing, maybe reviewing music or just something to talk about music. And <laughs> I actually did one like episode, I guess you can call it, uh, where I talked about Paramore's self-titled that had just come out around that time. And it's awful. But looking at it, and I think I, I even had like a like a print or like an online magazine sort of like component too. So I had a, a review written up. And looking at that and comparing it to some of the Vinyl Countdown stuff, you can kind of see some similarities. I'm like, well, the seeds were, were being laid way back then. I just didn't know it, I guess. And um, then, you know, 2019 rolled around and actually late 2018, um, I saw an, an ad for an iPad Pro and it's like, you can podcast from this thing. And I'm like, what if I did a podcast? Like, a, you know, why not? Right. And kind of thought about it and, the, you know, six months went by and I was really kind of getting it all in line. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to do it. And then, um, yeah, then that's, that's really it. Like it just one day I was like, man, let me just do this because what's the worst that can happen? Either it'll suck and I'll just stop or it'll be fun. And I can uh, eventually hopefully start to talk to people in the bands of the music that I'm talking about, which has happened. So it's pretty, you know, all in all, I feel like it's uh, 
kind of accomplished what I initially set out to do. Yeah, that's and, that. Getting to talk to some people is just like I feel like sometimes you listen to interviews and you have idea or ideas or questions that you really want answers to, and not even necessarily you want to be the one interviewing. You just want the answers. So yeah. I I feel like we <clears throat> we all start our own music podcast because we're interested in music and like a deeper level of just like listening to the music. Oh, definitely. Like I'm, I'm a huge lyrics hound, I guess, where I'm like, I'm always picking apart things and wanting to know the meanings. And I, I talk about it a lot on the show, but, uh, again, it's, it's great getting somebody on where I'm like, Hey, you wrote this. So what is this about? <laughs> so you get a straight answer. And sometimes they're like, Hey, it's a, it's a interpretation. You can take it how you want, but here's at least here's where I was whenever I wrote it, but you can take, do whatever you want with it. Which is also pretty cool. You know, you can, I like the music is subjective, but again, I do just like for whatever reason, my own personal, whatever, I'm like, Hey guy who wrote this, please tell me what you meant by these three <laughs> sentences. And yeah, it's always pretty fun. Or at least just like know where their headspace was at at the time. Like, yeah, it's always cool to know the story behind like one little line just <laughs> makes the whole entire picture like a little bit more clear. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to say that there was one interview you missed and it, it I say you missed it, but it was my, uh, fuck up. Uh, it was actually the very first interview I ever got was with Jeff uh, Rickley from Thursday. Oh, wow. And, but what happened is I lost the audio. So the episode for that one is just me like recalling uh, and kind of answering the notes that I had from that interview. So it's it, it was an interview, did not get put out that way, but all the information came directly from him. So that's that's one that's kind of a that's the biggest bummer of my life, because like when I realized I didn't have the audio, I just, I just was like, mother fucker. <laughs> like, and I want to say like the next, like the next week, maybe I, mess- I, was, I messaged him. I was like, Hey Jeff, Ooh, I lost the audio. So sorry, whatever. And, uh, he didn't get back to me for like a month, but he, he texted me. He was, Oh man, it's like, I just saw this. Like that was right when MCR announced they were coming back and pulling Thursday on tour with him. So he's like, it's been fucking crazy. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, I, I, I would have come back on and we could have redone it, but it's like, you know, we got the show coming out and then it just, it just hit at the absolute worst time. Oh but, man! And you're I a mean, big Thursday guy. That's my favorite band of all time. <laughs> so, so a big Thursday guy is an understatement. Yeah, it, it's um, it was crazy because I'm thinking, you know, again, start the podcast to say, oh, hopefully one day I can maybe like Jeff is like the top of my mountain as far as interviews to get, and it's literally the first one that I got. Oh, and losing like, the audio is awful. Yeah, it, it was. I think we were, we we're going to do it over Skype. And then like last minute, he's like, Hey, can I just, can you just FaceTime me? I was like, yeah, sure. Didn't even fucking think about, I can't record on FaceTime. So I recorded oh. it, but then it had the video, but no audio. Oh. And I went through like weeks of calling Apple and search scouring Reddit and everything. It's like, is there any way to recover the audio? And they're like, it's a security feature. Apple, you cannot record audio phone call you can't record the audio from phone calls or facetime calls unless you have an external app which i did not have and it just yeah all was lost all the stages of grief oh <laughs> uh, it was yeah it was bad but you know again he, he, was, he was super sweet about it and like i said he he was very understanding about it afterwards he wouldn't you know it was nice to know at least he would have come back if he would have had the, would have had the time but it, it happens you know? yeah that's that's part of podcasting it just sucks that it was thursday we yeah. uh we lost audio to our top songs of 2020. It was like a two hour long episode, and like it was really good discussion, all this stuff. And I went to go edit it, and I guess like my <clears throat> my MacBook just ran out of space. Don't know how or why. Wow. So when I went to, I didn't save it. When we finished it, I just like closed it, and you know we carried on talking and stuff. And then um, yeah, like a few days later, I go to edit it, and I try and save it when I was editing, and it was like. You have no room. Uh, audio is gone. I'm like, oh no. So I, I went through all the stages of grief trying to like recover it and do all this stuff, and yeah, it was just gone. So it's, it's one of the pains of podcasting. No one talks about. You know, we're people yeah. too. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the vinyl uh, component of your podcast. Um, how did you get into collecting vinyl? How did how did you decide vinyl was what you were going to be um, focusing on in the podcast? Well, so I got into it in, uh, it was 2008, actually the Thursday Envy, uh, split EP they released, uh, that was the first record I ever bought. And I didn't intend to keep on going. I was just like, I want this one record. It looks really cool. Just the idea of 
having this big like piece of art, I guess. So I was like, great. I want to have it. I'm just going to hold on to it and it's going to be something cool. Um, then like as the the years went on, I was like, oh, this record looks cool too. And then I would get one here, one there. And before I knew it, I had like maybe like 20 or 25, but no record player or anything else. I'm like, man, I need to do something with these records. <laughs> like they're just kind of piling up and I'm not really, I'm not playing them. I'm not doing anything. So, uh, so some years later, I finally got a record player. I was like, okay, now's the time to really start ramping up my my vinyl, you know, pickings or whatever. And, uh, you know, when, when it came time to, to do the podcast, like I, I knew it want I knew I wanted to be about music based on my previous idea of wanting to do something with music. But then I kind of looked around. I was like, nobody's really talking about vinyl records in in depth. And then, <clears throat> um, like the the idea of like uh, knowing the pressing counts or you know, going through all the different variants and this and that, like, I hadn't really found anything that was really detailing that, you know, and for me, I was like, that's all the information I really like to understand. I like to know, and like, I like to know pressing counts, I like to know how limited something is, just, just because it's for my own personal, like, hey, that's cool, I have one of these, and there's only like 200 made or something, so that was really what it was, kind of the, uh, I guess the, the vinyl component of it was just, I just felt like it wasn't being done, at least not in the way that I would have wanted to hear it, you know, so that was, yeah, I don't know, I guess I kind of just was like, hey, I like music, I like vinyl, let me stick them together. Yeah, and it's like just... the collector's dream. It's like your favorite, your two favorite things, collecting and music can be combined. And like knowing right. there's a limited amount and knowing like you got your hands on something that only 500 people have, you know, that's that's a really cool, interesting way I'd never really thought about until I started listening to your podcast was like, oh shit, like... I was, I just never, it never really crossed my mind how many of these were being made. You know, you go into stores, you see finals of like new popular music, but when it comes to like more indie music or pop punk music, there's just not as much going around. Yeah. And that's one thing doing the podcast and, and doing more research on the, the, the pressing amounts and all that, you realize how much it costs to do that and why some of the smaller bands, you know, they might have a run of like 200 and if that sells out, they might get another run of maybe 300. And like, it's a, uh, like Origami Angel, for example, their first, the first pressing was 200 out of 200 for somewhere city. And then the second press was 300 and then that sold out. And then the next press was 500. So it's like, it's kind of cool to see that progression where some bands, you know, they come out as like 10,000 worldwide or what, you know, bigger, bigger bands, but to see a smaller band on a, on a really small indie label at the time have, you know, you can see their progression and everything. It's really cool because, like I said, you get your hands on that first 200, like you're in on the ground floor with them, sort of, and then, you know, everybody else kind of comes around by, like, the sixth pressing. It's like they're pressing a 1,000 at a time, and they're fucking selling out. Yeah. You know, so that's it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And I always, like, if you follow a, a band's Instagram account, it's always like, when is this going to get pressed into vinyl? And they're like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't have a ton of say, but also, like, that's a that's a ton of money to throw up and i'm sure it's super busy it's a it's a super saturated market and not a lot yeah. of places do it yeah that's um another thing too that that get that happens especially with with older bands like in the that were popular in like the early 2000s mid 2000s that, that we kind of live in that world of you know they have issues with pressing things to vinyl where it's like they had like one pressing 15 years ago and now that record's like four or five hundred dollars whatever and fans are constantly like hey whatever, let's use Thursday as an example. Uh, they're 03 and 06 albums. Everybody wants them, they want them to be repressed because it's like, holy shit, there's only like one pressing of each or one pressing of the one. I think the other one has two, but uh, Thursday kind of came out. It's like, hey, we get it. You guys want it. But one thing that's kind of like, I guess not really, wasn't really public knowledge is that their old label is holding on to it and the price is set so high, they can't buy their own music back to then press it on vinyl. And the vinyl sales that would come from whatever they could, you know, muster up to press and then sell out, it wouldn't even be, come close to pay for the rights. So that that's another thing that kind of, I, I didn't ever really have a, an idea of until I started looking into it. I'm like, man, I wonder how many other bands are going through that where it's like, you really want this back catalog. You really want this one record. That's like whatever, but they can't do it because their old labels is kind of being dickheads are holding on to it. You know, no one, no one has the resources to do a Taylor Swift's done and like no. <laughs> just remake all their old albums. So yeah, they're just kind of, handcuffed with all that that's interesting she's like oh five million sure let me get my checkbook <laughs> this is by, like it's you know and, and then the other thing too is kind of just really kind of messed up about it all is the idea that they created all this and it, it's theirs but then 
this other label who did not promote those albums whatsoever when they were out didn't really give a shit and then dropped them off the label is now like, oh, if you want them back, it's like $2 million. It's like you didn't even care about these records. Yeah. And now yeah. you just hold it like it's... That's what's interesting about your interview with Set Your Goals, which is your most recent interview, <clears throat> was it seems like every band has had like a, a tumultuous relationship with a record label at one point or another. And just seems like at some point people would just stop using them. There's just so many other ways to get your music out there that like it's, they always get them when they're super young, like 17, 18, 19, they're wanting to yeah. get out on the road. And so you take the first record label you can get, cause they're going to pay for you to get on the road. But like, it's almost like going at 18 years old, going to college. And then you're like, Oh yeah, by the way, you're $20,000 in debt when you were 18 and you just wanted to go hang out with your friends. And yeah. it's just kind of a, a silly arbitrary thing that we, it feels like we should be moving past, but somehow we're not. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that there, there's a, a girl in Sweden, I, I believe is where she's from. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a girl in red? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, she's like, I guess she's on a label now probably when she first started out, you know, she was just doing shit in her bedroom, uploading Spotify and it was getting like millions of listens and like, all of that without the backing of a label, which is her just self-releasing things. So like I said, there's so many other ways to get music out. I don't know. I don't understand why they have to be beholden to this corporation to say like, Hey, we're going to do this, but yeah, now we're going to drop you and, you know, potentially, and you're going to not, you know, owe us money or some crazy shit. Like it doesn't seem like we really need them at all, but for whatever reason, they're still here and still <laughs> kicking around. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so what, what inspires you to keep uh, collecting vinyls? <laughs> at this point i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> i get the uh, same i get the same way with bourbon it's like i have more bourbon than i could ever hope to drink but like the pursuit i think is what is half the fun it's like tracking stuff down yeah I think that, that's part of it the hunt is always really fun i do the same with shoes like i've got i don't know probably 35 pairs of shoes and i'm still adding just because it's like oh yeah i wanted that shoe i remember when that came out i want this or same with vinyl it's like you know if it's something that I've listened to for like decades and I'm like, Oh shit, there's finally a vinyl pressing. Let me get it. Or, uh, and I don't know, I guess too, it's something about this physically putting the record on, sitting down, having a drink and just, it, it's the whole thing. Like, I just, I don't know. It's, I, I love the experience. And, um, you know, my kids do too, like they're 10 and five and they like to spend records. And it's, it's a whole kind of getting the family involved too. So it's, it's kind of fun to, to not have to always, you know, hey, let's stream and you know, stream from our phone or whatever, which I don't mind at all. It's just that 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 extra like physical actually holding in your hand type of thing is just can't really beat that feeling, I guess. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that came up maybe I remember it coming up like ten years ago, vinyls started getting really big and I always thought it was gonna be like a novelty thing where like, oh remember vinyls? Everyone's got a vinyl player now. And yeah. uh it's stuck around, which is I think it's because of that, like the experience of listening to it and like it's a communal thing. You're sitting around listening to it rather than just like it's easy to pop it up on your phone. And I think a record player makes you like take your time with it. Almost like bourbon, they kind of go hand in hand. It's like it makes you slow down a little bit, which is kind of yeah. hard to do. Yeah, I noticed uh, another thing too with uh, certain bands, they really take a lot of care with their vinyl releases and like, you know, CD and MP3, they do whatever with those, but the vinyl really gets the attention and. Uh, T-Shirt Mori comes to mind. They always have incredible box sets or like deluxe editions or whatever. And, you know, from being a fan, like, you know, we really appreciate that because it's like you don't always get that. You can't get that on CD. You can't get it just kind of looking at pictures online. Like having like a, an LP sized like 45 page book that's detailing the, the record and like tours and history and everything else. That's just, yeah, it, you just can't you can't beat that in my opinion, you know. Yeah, that's 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 a cool way to look at it. Cause I remember, like, even back in like the like late '90s when I got my first like hard copy CD, the Backstreet Boys that came out with like a whole poster with it. So it had yeah. like a big poster and it had all the lyrics and like <laughs> reading along the lyrics. Um, that it's just yeah, there's something cool about having that kind of detail and effort put into something like that. Yeah, it's it's it, it definitely. Um... I guess too, because Jeremy, their lead singer, is actually he's a huge vinyl collector, also. So I guess he gets it. Like, you know, I'm sure he probably hates getting a record like he's really waiting on, and then it's no like no gatefold, there's no extras. It's just like here's your record, you piece of shit, take it. You know, <laughs> at uh, 
I kind of felt like that with uh, Joy Division. They when they did their 40th anniversary of uh, uh, Unknown Pleasures or whatever. The only thing they did was switch the colors of the, of the cover, I guess, to like what the, whatever the original idea was. But they had zero extras, no nothing, and then the actual record itself sounded like shit. It's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> yeah, you spend. I mean, you spend a significant amount more than you would a hard copy of a CD. It's like yep. twenty to fifty dollars a lot of times. Yeah, and that's on the low end, and you kind of want there to be a little more effort because you are spending money on the product and not necessarily the music. Exactly. So, um, as a fellow podcaster, who you do uh, weekly shows on albums? Do you find it hard to make time for an album? I know, I know, you have a full time job. The podcast is not your full time job. No. Um, I, my partner and I, Kevin, we find it hard to like. We want to do albums every week, and sometimes we switch it up and do EPs. But we find it really hard to like. You have to be in a mood for an album and to listen to it for an entire week and get really ready and prepare. Um, I guess like, how do you prepare for albums and how do you find the time to, to make time for albums? Uh, usually I'll, I'll start like, uh, I'll try to start a week in advance and listen to it. And then, uh, so the way my job is kind of set up, I do have some downtime, so I can't listen to music. So I, that's one kind of, that's kind of an advantage. I guess I can listen or if I'm working out, I can have it playing and just kind of, just keep it familiar in my head and, and, you know, I'll hear something and go, Oh, let me like write a note in my phone real quick. And then like, I'll later I'll research it more, you know, kind of build the episode that way. But um, there are some times that where it's just, there's literally no time for me to write or uh, I'll go in just basically do it live and just like, fuck, I'll just read as I'm going <laughs> and try to figure <laughs> it out. Like I really hate doing that, but you know, it's just with work and the kids and uh, just, things going on you know it's just hard to sometimes set aside like you know two hours or three hours to like to write record edit promote you know yeah and it's just just me doing it so it's like i have no one else to kind of like help me out and uh i've been trying to get my wife to let me hire an assistant for years but i don't make any money from this so i can't do that yeah (laughs) is it have you ever bounced around the idea of like doing a a co-host or anything or do you like the the freedom of doing it yourself you know, it, it's it's funny. I said earlier, like I do like to have people on the show. I like to interview people and everything else, uh, and it, it does make it better than me just sitting there yelling at myself. That being said, though, I don't know anybody that I really, I guess, would want to co-host with. Um, I have a, a set kind of way I like doing things, and uh, most of my friends like here, um, they're not really into the same music as me, so it would never really, we'd never be on the same page, Yeah, I guess. And there are some people, obviously, like, I could find, like, I have some Twitter friends and, and you know, that are on the same page musically, but then there's so much to do with, with trying to set up Zoom calls or, or whatever it might be and get everybody together on schedule. So it's just like, I, I think it would probably be um, more trouble than what it's worth in the end, I guess. <laughs> right. and, um, and, and, and again, I do kind of like, having it set the way I, I i like it and it's hard for me sometimes probably negatively to take criticism uh i'm kind of like i'm doing it like this because this is how i want it and then somebody comes in and kind of starts talking i got i don't know that could be that's a character flaw on my end but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you also get to do it you know however you however you want so it's it's your podcast you get to do it your way that's cool yeah i i, I do like that control aspect from like you know if they tweak something they do whatever it's like you know, it, if it if it fails, it's because of me. If it works, it's because of me. Like, I don't know. And, and like I said, it, it's just me and my friends aren't really on the same page, which is always weird. I've always been the outlier in the music scene here. Like, there is no music. The, let me be clear where I'm from. There is no music scene, really. Uh, at least not in, in our, like, scene, I guess. The emo scene didn't really catch hold in the South, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's... I've always been the kind of the weird one when it comes to that. So I've never had any, <laughs> any backing other than online, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I had kind of thought I needed to grow up and like, maybe it's time to branch out and experiment and like find other music. And that's something off the beaten club for us has been really good is like Kevin listens to completely different music than I do. And I'm showing him music that he's growing fond of, but it's, it's, it's tough because like I want to listen what I want to want to listen to. And so he's showing me like this, like um, EDM music or, you know, 
there's other jazz stuff that he's really into that I'm not into, but it kind of pushes you to like get out of your element. But I find I find paradise on Twitter because you can go on there and everyone's got like heated opinions on emo music, and you're like, thank you, God. Like I feel like I'm back in 2008, like yeah. getting on message boards and arguing, and uh, it's usually on good fun. But like it's just fun to like find that like passion elsewhere because uh, you can't always get that. Like I'm sure by yourself, you can't argue with yourself, and you can't like yeah. that's where the, <laughs> it's hard to like argue with yourself without your wife, you know, admitting you into a psych ward, but, um, yeah. it's, it's, uh, yeah, the emo Twitter verse we're a part of is, is a lot of fun. I do love the, uh, the mini scorch fests that happen like weekly on Twitter, uh, which I've, I've, I've always, I know we've all been a part of it and like just saying crazy shit that we may believe in, but it is like, like who would, you know, like me personally, I don't like fallout boy at all. Yeah. I, I'm with you. And, that is a uh, a very controversial opinion, I guess, in the emo uh, Twitter space. But you know, it's a fun one just to kind of rile people up. Yeah, and, that, uh, that's why me and Adrian have done the uh, the used versus MCR. I don't know if I believe it, but when people argue me on it, I just can't help but like double down on it. Like I think I told you one day that uh, "Lies for the Liars" was better than the Black Parade, and you told me to fuck off. <laughs> that's that's the that's the best thing about the internet is just being able to spit your hot takes that is man that is oh yeah that was one of the the hottest of takes you could have possibly (laughs) said in regards to those two albums because i felt uh, yeah i I don't want to go i know it was you know it was funny and everybody's got their own opinion but it's like man that opinion is wrong (laughs) (laughs) the I mean, I, I, I'm super biased. The Black Parade is like top ten all the time for me. Last of the Liars is great. Yeah, but it's like I don't know. I just can't can't hold a candle to it. I know? had just we had just covered it on our podcast, so that was like it was fresh on my mind, and I was so high up on some of those like pretty handsome, awkward, all those like yeah. bangers, and I was like, you know what? I think I like these more. And then you know, you go back and listen to like Mama or dead or some of the like less than known songs and you're like oh shit well that might have been wrong but you know what i'm i'm not i'm not taking it back i yeah, let, no. <laughs> i said it i mean it i said you can't walk it back at that point. <laughs> but, so, uh speaking of you know talking about episodes what what's been your favorite episode so far and why i would like to say it was the i'd like to say it was the jeff interview but that didn't go the way i wanted to so um Man, I don't know. The the set your goals one was pretty fun. Uh, Matt was awesome to come on. You know, uh, it was funny. Like all the stuff I cut out, I wish I could have kept it in, just because. Uh, <laughs> that that might that may be my favorite. Might be recency bias, but that's like you know he um he was in the middle of eating lunch or something, and he was also like three hours late, and it was a whole fucking thing. I'm just like, um, hey, so hey, you know, how, how you doing? And he's like. <gasps> Um, I was eating lunch. I'm like, all right. <laughs> there, there's a few parts in the interview. Uh, I think his phone dings, and yeah. it scares it scares the shit out of me because like I was just like cleaning around the house and I just hear like a big ding and I'm like, whose phone is that? <laughs> I'm home alone. <laughs> but yeah, that it's it's almost better to have like an organic interview and just like leave those yeah. kind of things in because the human element is what's fun about interviews and. There's a lot of times my dogs are in the room with me and Kevin and like you can hear them itching their collar or like whining or barking and like I just leave it in because I think it's it makes you feel like you're sitting in the room with them rather than just like, you know, super yeah. clean cut. I will say uh, I guess a close second would be the uh, the the weedest episode just because he was like super nice, which I actually lost the audio to the first time for that one, too. And then we re-recorded and. It was super nice to come back and like sit for like an hour and a half. I was like, holy shit, man, you're in Weedus. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you have other things to be doing other than this podcast. But uh, he was he was super cool. And then like just some of the stories that he told uh, breaking down the album and everything is a lot of shit I had no idea about, you know. So that was that one was really fun. Like I said, he was just super cool to come and do it, you know. Yeah, that interview, I think, is the first one I listened to. And then I ended up going back and listening to your whole catalog. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, even, I think, like, your third episode was brand new. I'm like, oh, I can't uh, resist. I got to listen. 
Yeah, that was one that I was I was debating on whether I should do it or not, just because of Jesse Lacey and all that. And I think I even mentioned in the episode, I'm like, you know, it's, it's not what this podcast is about. I really just want to focus on the music. But I mean, looking back, I think I've moved more into the. It's it's still about the music, but if somebody is a shitty person and I'm talking about their album, I think I've I've kind of moved more towards like either just not doing it at all, or if I do, like I was like, man, I got to talk about this record. Like I'm gonna have to address that and like. Uh, you know, I, I I think I think it's important maybe to, to not try to minimize it, even though it's not what the show's about. But I don't I don't want to seem like callous or whatever. And it's like, you know, this oh this girl this guy's great, and all the while we all know he's a piece of shit. Or the music is great, and it, it's so hard to separate. I guess yeah, the artist from the art, and some people can do it well. I, I try, but with brand new, it's like I feel like I don't go out of my way to listen to them anymore. But if it happens to pop up on shuffle, I'm like, oh man, this song is a banger, but boy, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think part of it's like it doesn't change the fact that 15 years ago we were rocking to it before we knew, you know. That's true. Yeah. Um, we we don't stop watching Harvey Weinstein movies. Like I still watch Scream every year, and that's yeah. that's always tough. Like, where do you draw the line if you know you're still consuming content from someone that sucks? It's like the music is a little more personal, but like it's it's tough. I mean. To, to be fair, you know, pretty much half of emo would go away if we did that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, uh, there's so many bands, and it's, it's so shitty, but, like, there's a lot of that type of stuff going on, the grooming of fans or the assault, whatever, and it's like, god damn, like, just make music and, like, don't be shitty, I guess. Yeah, it, it, is. it should be so simple, but it's young kids who aren't fully understanding what they're doing and feeling like they're on top of the world and there's no repercussions to their actions. And they think yeah. they're in like this small little emo world that like no one's gonna come after them, but that's just not the case anymore. And they should be held accountable. Like it's cr- it's crazy the the like running joke is like uh, punk punk kids don't care about you after you turn eighteen. Like that's just yeah. like that's a horrible joke, but it, there's truth to it, and that's what's sad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know how we got there, but yeah, it's just it sucks because a lot of your favorite artists it makes them like irredeemable after that. Like I can't go back and listen to that. It's yeah. it makes devil and God raging inside of me, which was one of my favorite albums before. It just makes it hard to listen to now. Yeah. And then, you know, knowing what you know now, like there's certain, maybe not so much on that album because it's so dark and it's not, you know, in the same kind of lyrical space as like Deja or the, your favorite, my favorite weapon or whatever. But those two, for those first two albums, you listen to them now and it's like, man, that is fucking creepy knowing that you know whatever was going on or about or maybe what was going to go on it's like hmm not cool jesse <laughs> you really hate women jesse yeah we, we knew like, but we didn't know you know like at 19 i was screaming along like man me too and like that's a whole thing where it's like he gets it man it's like i would never say this to somebody but it's like internally maybe my 19 year old brain is like yeah that's that's <laughs> cool but looking back i'm like ooh, that's super problematic <laughs> Oh. Um, so yeah, this is something we've already talked about a little bit. Um, is it difficult doing the podcast alone? Uh, obviously, we've already kind of touched on that, but the whole, do you like do a script or do you just kind of free format or how do you do that? Because I would, I personally would struggle without like a, a call and response. I feel like sometimes I like talk myself into a corner and I'm like, oh shit, how did I get here? You know, and how do I get out without someone else bailing me out? You know? Yeah. I uh, actually write every episode. Uh, I have a, like a, a script, I guess. And uh, my very, I think my very first episode, I didn't do that. And I realized very quickly that I can't do that. Because <laughs> uh, I started going off on tangents and I'm like, uh, 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 like I could find myself searching for thoughts. And it's like, I really got to have something written down. Um, so I, I do that now. Like I think the only other episode that I did where I was completely script free was uh, I think Brand New Eyes, the uh, Pyramor episode I did uh, last year, whatever it was, I just went in and was like, fuck it, I'm just going to do it uh, as live as I can. And then others I've done like just like a like an outline, maybe not a full script, but like bullet points. And I'm going to, if it's a record that I know really, really well already, I can kind of like dial it back a bit on, on the on the the research, like the, the huge script or whatever, you know. But uh, I'd say 90% of the episodes, they're like I have them, they're all just these huge things and I'll go through them, I'll read, and I try to, like, I try to read it, like, 100%, like, verbatim, so I'm not sounding like a robot, but, you know, it is, 
definitely something to guide me along because yeah, without it, I would be completely lost. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I'm always so envious that people can do that because it's it's hard to keep people's attention when it's just one voice. And so yeah. you do a really good job. And uh, you know, yeah, you can't I appreciate that. You can't. I can't recommend listening to the vinyl podcast enough. Um, so. Where do you stand on the used MCR debate? Uh, I'm I'm MCR all day. Okay. Uh, I, I was I was team. Uh, uh, what's his name? Goddamn Gerard back in the day when <laughs> yeah. it was like they had their little public spat. It was like the East Coast versus West Coast like emo edition, I guess. And I was 100% team team Gerard. I was like, man, fuck Bert, man. He's he's kind of an asshole, you know. And it's probably it's really stupid, but. <laughs> That's where I was. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good to, to have a team. Because, yeah, I I was always super into Black Parade, but I never liked any other MCR records. So mm. I liked maybe the one before, the vampire one. I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, You, you brought me your bullets. I brought you. Uh, yeah. You me love that. that was their first album. And then Three Cheers was the second one. Okay. Which, um, fun fact about the first album, it was actually produced by Jeff Rickley. Really? Yep. He, uh, hmm. he was kind of like their, I wouldn't say mentor, but he was like, holy shit, hey, th- these guys are great. You know, they're from Jersey, or maybe you know, they're all in the same little area, you know. And uh, So Jeff produced that and then was like, it, as legend goes, he supposedly told them, like, one day y'all are going to be like, way bigger than Thursday. And then sure enough, we don't. <laughs> it blew up, but that's my the, favorite little fun fact to pull out. <laughs> that's the uh, something similar happened with the used. Uh, the lead singer of uh, Goldfinger, John Feldman, did the same mm-hmm. thing with the used and kind of just like took them by their shirts and and you know helped them produce their first record. He's they've never looked back. So that's that's yeah. cool. They both kind of got similar starts of like someone saw him and was like, "You, you got it." Yeah, yeah. that's um. I guess Thursday they, they didn't produce any of their records, but they were very much involved with uh, Tisha Amore and their early goings and everything. And actually the first time I saw, or first time I heard of them, saw them at all was, I think it was their first, it was Tisha Amore's first tour off of the West Coast. They came to Houston, which is like two and a half hours from me. And uh, it was them, the, the Fall of Troy and Thursday and the Deer Hunter, I think, who I did not care for. But uh, Thursday was like, they looked at them kind of like their little brothers. And like, there's even a song on Thursday's very last album, the last song called uh, Stay True is like kind of, almost like a love letter to Touche Amore and like kind of like them being like, hey, we've been through it. Here are things to do and not to do and be careful with people. Like it's, it's a whole thing. So like it's, it's pretty neat. Yeah, that's a lot of times bands I feel like are like looking out for number one. They don't want anybody imposing on their, their spot. So it's cool to like take a band under your wing. I know Newfound Glory does that a lot for bands too. Is like yeah, be big brothers to, to up and coming bands. That's what, uh, yeah, I know Matt mentioned that with uh, Set Your Goals. It was kind of like they took them on tour a lot. And, you know, that, that was probably big for them in the early goings because Newfound Glory was so you know, at their height sort of at that point. And, you know, just starting out, that's, that's fucking invaluable. You know, getting taken out all the time to go tour and everything. Yeah, I, I remember Man Overboard when they were coming up. They, were, they went on like the uh, Tell All Your Friends 10-year anniversary tour with uh, Taking Back Sunday. Like, tours like that are invaluable because you get your name out you hear yeah. bands at a concert that open and you're like oh that's cool i'll buy their five dollar cd and then next thing you know you're listening to them for 15 years yep <laughs> um so going back to the good old emo days uh what was the spark or inspiration that got you into all the the emo verse oh man um let's see so like growing up i was only exposed to uh really what my older brother and sister were listening to you know uh they're five years and eight years old, older than me respectively so it's like my brother was super into r&b rap and just kind of whatever was on the radio so that's kind of what i was into until right around like sixth grade my sister was like really into like lance morissette live matchbox 20 uh, ben folds five that kind of stuff and uh so that got me like sort of exposed to rock music in in, in a alternative like a general sense or whatever went through high school kind of the same thing and when I got out of high school I finally broke out and was like I really didn't know my own tastes because I was kind of like hey I got this from this person and this you know got this from that person and didn't really know what I what I really liked and I think the first thing that I bought 
where I was like, oh shit, this is like something completely different. I've never heard anything like this. I, I want to say it was Finch and what it is to burn. And I was just like blown away by all the, like the, the melodic, like the melodic hardcore, I guess, or, or post-hardcore, or whatever you want to call it. That was, I'd never heard anything like that before. So I was like, holy shit. And then Brand New came shortly thereafter with Deja. And I was like, yeah, mine's <laughs> blowing. And then I want to say a few months after that was when uh, War All the Time was released by Thursday. And that was, again, just never heard anything like it. It was just like blown away. So just that's like those three bands where I really kind of got started that summer slash fall and then really dove headfirst the next year because um, in the liner notes for War All the Time, Thursday has like a huge paragraph of all the bands that like they either they toured with or they know and they're like we want to send thanks to this band this band and that was where i discovered uh taking back sunday cody and camry from autumn the ashes midtown saves the day like just take your fucking pick of any band from the early 2000s right and it's like then i started like well if, if they toured with thursday or thursday is like kind of give them the okay then i'm gonna give them the okay and start systematically diving into all of this shit and then that was it like so i you know almost 20 years later i hadn't looked back yeah, that's so cool. I I kind of went through similar things. I remember, um, have you ever heard the song Constantine by Something Corporate? No. It's like a 10-minute song, and it's like unnecessarily long, but it like it's um, basically the guy that, uh, Andrew McMahon, that did Something Corporate, Jack's Mannequin, and now he does yeah. solo stuff. Um, he had this line in the song about um, about listening to Jimmy Eat World, um, and it had me it sent me all the way back to like listen to clarity which is like from the early 90s and i was like holy shit like this is cooler than the original song that i was listening to but it's so funny how you know bands just like giving a simple nod will send you like on the the craziest ride to find new music oh yeah that's um as part of the fun like like going back to like the hunting element i guess like you're you know, you, you track down all these songs, especially back then. We didn't, I didn't have any, you know, there's no YouTube, no streaming services. So it was like, I had to like go either physically, like go buy a single or buy a CD or hope to hear it on MTV. Maybe we, we didn't have Fuse yet here. Um, that was the other thing too. When I went, I went to New York a few times during the summers and uh, I want to say the summer of 04, Fuse was playing all this shit that I was trying to find previously. And, you know, I finally saw like Modest Mouse and, and again, you know, taking back Sunday, Cody and Cambria, all that, all at one time. And I was like, oh man, okay, got to go buy all these records as soon as I get home, you know. And then uh, eventually we got Fuse here, but it, it was like, I think after they switched over to kind of being like MTV. So the music element was gone, but I was still kind of like firmly in the world. And I was like getting suggestions from other people and getting on the online and saying, oh, if you like this band, you might like that band. And so it all kind of worked out, thankfully. But <laughs> yeah, that. that it never stops either. Like I, I find yeah. new music because of, because of you and Gabby on Twitter and like the origami angel, I'd never heard of them. And then, you know, you guys started posting about their new release and like, I didn't want to feel left out. I want to know what you guys are talking about. I want to be cool too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a funny thing that like, it just evolves. It doesn't change. It just evolves. Yeah. That, um, Oh, go ahead. oh no, you're good. Uh, what were you saying? Uh, I was going to say, just speaking of Oregon Angel, they're just like probably my favorite new band to come out of like the last couple of years. Uh, for me, at least, it came out of nowhere and it was like, like, what are, what are they doing? Like, how this is crazy. And then, you know, hearing like blast beats in just a, I guess, an emo song or whatever you want to call it, like, it was just real jarring, but really fucking cool. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to throw some, some, some Gami Gang love because they're fucking great. <laughs> Yeah, they were part of that like counterintuitive records, and um, yeah. a part of that was Jail Socks, which I found on on Twitter as well. And we covered them a few weeks ago, and there's just something about this this new wave where it's like either really cool and they're trying new things, or it's like I'm really not into it. It's making yeah. me feel a little bit older. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, hot, can... hot Mulligan. I always say is hot trash because I do not get Hot Mulligan. No. I don't understand the appeal, honestly. And I know a lot of people love them. And, you know, we might get, you know, fucking, you know, pitchforks and torches thrown at us and everything. But, I, yeah, I don't get it. Like, I've, I've never, and I've tried. Like, every time I hear something new, I'm like, okay, let, let me try it out. And I'm like, nope, still not for me. <laughs> 
yeah, I I hate like certain bands for no reason sometimes, and I think a part of it is the 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 vocalist for Hot Mulligan. It's kind of like Law Dispute. It's like you're rewarding this guy for like not being a good singer, and I don't demand people to be great singers in pop punk, but like just don't be so bad that I turn it off, you know? Yeah. And I'm the same way with Green Day. Green Day is just like nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I've, I like their older stuff, but like anything past like 2005, I guess, was kind of the last time I was into it. And, you know, it's they're, they're you know, untouchables in a lot of people's eyes, which I, I I get it. But in that way, I kind of feel like they're kind of like Weezer. Like they had a, an incredible like three to four album run. And that's kind of cemented their legacy to do whatever the fuck they want now. And there's, there's always going to be the people like, you know, sorry, Pat's fat list is this like, he's a big fucking, yeah, big Weezer fan. But anything past like, I don't know, 2001 for me, I'm like, I'm good. I can't, I just don't care for it. Well, Pat's also the one that coined the phrase Weezerification, saying someone's yes. jumped the shark. So I think he understands. But also it's like, <laughs> uh, did they need to make a, a Van Halen cover album? No. No, but he did Certainly. it. <laughs> I mean, at least, you know, give him credit for that. At least he, he did it. Like, he just went out and did something fucking stupid. But, I mean, doesn't mean we, we wanted it, but sure. <laughs> so, uh, other than Origami Angel, what's, like, your other, like, go-to new current artist? Oh, boy. Um, uh, Pup is one I've been, for the last few years now, like, I guess not necessarily new, but uh, newer, right? Uh, Foxing is another one from the past, like, five, six years I've really been into. Um, Barty Strange is another another guy. I really uh, like him. His, his, his backstory is, like, really crazy. Like, he was playing in, like, hardcore bands, uh, emo bands, country bands, straight-out rock bands, some rap. Like, he was doing everything. And on his debut album that came out last year, he's – there's it's it runs the gamut of just, like, kind of, like, slowed down, like, almost like R&B stuff, and then it goes right into a rock song, and then there's a rap – so it's like it's it's a crazy mix of things but it really works so yeah he, he's one too that uh you know keep it he, he's he's already started to kind of blow up but it's like he's he's one to keep an eye on i think but yeah, yeah i guess that'd be mine always the it's always the second album that's the best yeah i, I can't wait because he actually released a new song a month or so ago and it's like man that's so fucking good he's just getting better and better <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll put some links to those as well in the show notes if anybody's interested. Um, what's a what's a band or artist that you can't wait to talk about on your podcast? Oh man, so hmm, I'm trying to think of one I haven't talked about yet. Oh well, uh, Turnstile is one. Just a little preview. I've got coming up. Um, I think next month I'm going to do going to cover Blackout or not Blackout. Sorry, the uh, Glow on album. And that's a band that I did not care for up to this release. And uh, I listened to it and I'm like, oh, okay, it's it's fine, but I don't, I don't really get it. This came out and I was like, okay, I guess it's cool. And then I kind of just didn't listen to it for like a week then went back to it. And I don't know why I just like clicked. And now I love it. It's fucking great. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into it and, and really just for myself, learn their history and kind of uh, take a deep dive on like everything they've done up to this point, you know, uh, uh, have you listened to it at all yet or no? Uh, the new album? It's the yeah. only stuff I've ever heard from them, and I I loved okay. it. It reminds yeah. me of like Rage Against the Machine, New Metal. There's a lot of cool, really cool elements, and they even mm-hmm. like they even dive into some pop stuff, which is cool. Yeah, they. Um, I, I told a buddy of mine that he he actually like kind of got me onto them at all. I was like, they're like the like the grooviest hardcore band I've ever heard. Uh, there's just something about them, like like I said, like they incorporate so many different things but they're still very much rooted in hardcore and they put on an incredible fucking live show too so that's one thing yeah i feel like they're checking on all the boxes man (laughs) (laughs) i think i read somewhere like it's like not even close to their first album it's like their fifth sixth seventh eighth something like that they've been in it for a while and again it's one of those bands like i've heard about for a long time i just didn't really care for the the few little things i heard over the past like i don't know six seven years whatever it is and it's like but some people were, I mean, like, again, buddy of mine, that's he, he's been into him since the beginning. He's like, man, they're old stuff. You got to check it out. It's so great. And I'm like, no, I did already. <laughs> Didn't care for it. Uh, but this new this new record, I, I, I will say it's like uh, them, uh, that record, and uh, Draw Down the Moon by Foxing is like, 
neck and neck brown of the year right now. Yeah. So, uh, that actually smoothly transitions to uh, a, a, a prompt I gave you before uh, we met was uh, your top five songs of 2021. Um, this is an episode we're going to do here in a few weeks. And so I want to add your picks into the playlist and to make it a little more uh, well-rounded and fun. So I want to get okay. your thoughts on the top five songs. I know it's a little early because we're recording this in mid-November, but um, what are your top five songs of 2021? So uh, I was kind of shitting bricks over this question because there's so many good songs. And like top five albums, I kind of I kind of have in my head how, you know, where it's going to go. One and two can flip-flop, but like, you know, three through five is pretty much set and honorable mentions are kind of where they're going to be. But trying to pick a song, what I did was I took that list basically and picked one song from each record was sort of how I wanted to do it. And that was that was hard. That was I've been pining over for like two days now. <laughs> I didn't but, mean uh, to make it so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my own fault. I, I stress myself out about everything. <laughs> like, but uh, so here's my list. Uh, no particular order. Um, starting with the uh, Manchester Orchestra. Uh, the song Angel of Death from uh, Million Mask of God. Absolutely incredible song. Uh, Manchester Orchestra is one of those bands. It's like, I, I love everything they do, but it sometimes takes me a few weeks or even months to kind of really have it soak in. And this is one of those records when it came out, I was like, you know, it's good. It's definitely them. And I, I love what they're doing, but I'm like, it needs some time to kind of grow on me. And now going back to it, I'm like, it's, it's incredible. Like it's up there in the top, you know, it's like the top three, top four of the year. And it's like that one song, I think kind of encompasses the entire record in such a way where it's like, if you're going to show somebody like, Hey, this should be like the first introduction to them, like, or at least to this record. Like, I think it's, it's that good of a song. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So angel of death by Manchester orchestra. Uh, next up origami angels, uh, backslash trust. Um, this is one I think that it's just it's it's not 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 saying odd sounding song, but it's definitely unique. And uh, I, I love how like the uh, the guitar comes in, like I think Ryland's singing, and he's like, uh, not really sure what he's saying. I, I forget off the top of my head, but the guitar's like, and he's like singing along with it and kind of going with it. And it's like a something about that just fucking hits me in my soul, dude. Like it's so great. They do that a lot, and it's so clever. I, I, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's very, um, I don't know. It's, it's just fucking talented, dude. Like he has a, his voice is great. And I just love that every time I, na, 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 like, it's just, how can you not like that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not when I do it, but when he does it, it's great. <laughs> um, let's see, uh, Blackout by Turnstile. That's uh, the second track on the newest record. It's just, I wake up to, I wake up my kids in the morning for school with that song. <laughs> like, it's just so high energy, and it's just like, uh, I, yeah, it's it's like my go-to when we do like the in-house karaoke type thing. Um, we do turnstile karaoke sometimes, and that's like top billing. Like everybody's like, <laughs> do blackout, do blackout. I'm like, okay, but um, gotta give the that, people what they want. Yeah, yeah, the kids <laughs> kids love it, man. So, <laughs> that uh, one thing about it too that there's uh, the end of the song. There's this breakdown, which again they kind of shift from kind of groove kind of whatever to just flat out break down hardcore like somebody's gonna kick a hole through a fucking wall right so it's like it's just it's it's perfect um you can picture yourself like getting into mosh like just oh, oh yeah you want to be in the middle of the pit for that oh yeah like it, um yeah oh yeah i'm thinking about it right now i'm just like yep <laughs> <laughs> um let's see the other one so i mentioned barty strange a song called wait uh that again is just kind of a, sh a more straightforward rock song. Um, it almost kind of sounds like whatever Machine Gun Kelly is trying to do, but actually good. <laughs> if, if that, you know, like the the more like hip hop driven pop punk, kind of. But you know, given his background and what he's done up to this point, like he really pulls it off really, really well. Uh, he's just a, I don't know. Like I said, just insanely talented guy. So. Um, Again, think uh, think MGK, but good. But that's kind of, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> it must God, be great because I, I love MGK. Oh, man, I hate him so much. <laughs> I only said that to get you going. <laughs> All right, interview over. Let's, uh, <laughs> um, let's see. So 
uh, Puck actually just released two new songs, uh, Waiting and Kill Something. And I chose Waiting because I feel like it's the better of the two so far. Um, it's just straight out, just Puck being Puck. You know, it's kind of a heavier, it starts off heavier at least. Like the guitars are real crunchy, real, just like, I don't know, I, I really like it. Uh, then it kind of lightens up a little bit, kind of how they do, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just a good song. It's just a solid song from them. And I just, I'm excited to hear the new album. Uh, you know, it's Morbid Stuff was my album of the year of 2019. And uh, This Place Sucks Ass, their EP they released last year was like up there, top five, top 10, whatever. It wasn't a full album, so it really didn't get, uh, it wasn't in the running for that. But they're just consistently putting out good stuff, you know. So uh, how many is that? Five? Yep. Four? Yeah, okay. that was your fifth. Well, <clears throat> gonna throw a few honorable mentions out there. Let's do it. Okay, so real quick, uh, a band called Division of Mind with a eight colon seven. They are a Triple B Records uh, signee, super hardcore. Like they are just fucking brutal, and they're great. I, I love them. Like they're just uh, one of those bands that kind of put on just like I'm working out or just to annoy people. I guess I don't know, but it's fucking great. Um, Magnitude, same thing. Uh, another Triple B hardcore band, uh, Light at the End. <clears throat> they um, just released a song on a hardcore compilation they did for Triple B, and uh, it's pretty great. Like I think they have a new album coming out soon. Uh, Coheed and Cambria, which is you know Grail tier band for me. Uh, it's called a Rise. And then I don't know how to say or pronounce, or it's just uh, it's Rise and Neo Neoshia Neo Nasha. It's like a, a character I guess in their story. But it's Cut the Cord is also in there, so you can probably put in Cody and Camry or Cut the Cord, it'll come up. Um, <clears throat> and last but not least, uh, Lingua Ignata, I Who, I Who Bend the Tall Grasses, off of her newest record, uh, Sinner Get Ready. It's, oh boy, she is a force, man. <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? Uh, uh, Lingua Ignata. Uh, it's a, I think, I want to say it's like Latin for... Uh, no language or something like that. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. Like I did an episode on her uh, Caligula album last year and oh boy, it's like, it's just like, like it's, there's some like doom metal elements. It's like power violence, whatever the fuck, like, but also like operatic elements in, in lyrically, but then what she's singing about, it's, it's all super fucking heavy and super dark. And uh, this record, this one song in particular, I, I, when it first came out, I was like, ooh, do let me put it on. Not thinking, I had the kids in the car, I'm like, okay, let's, it's a start off kind of slow and everything's just real mellow. And I kind of just was listening, not really paying attention. I was kind of having it in the background, I wanted to have it on. And she gets to a part where she says, um, <laughs> I think very, like, very aggressively and loudly says, um, uh, like, give me something and, and split him open. Fuck. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, Look, turn that off. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll dive into that later. <laughs> but it's it's fucking great. It's great. That, that one's more of a challenging listen, I will say. Uh, very much an acquired taste. But uh, speaking of getting out of, like, your comfort zone, I guess, or, like, wanting to kind of break off of whatever you're normally listening to, that's definitely one to kind of spice it up a bit, you know? That's probably the first one I'm going to put on after we get off here. Oh, it's, it's something, man. It's, <laughs> I would highly recommend her Caligula album too, from 2019, I believe. That one's, it's pretty great. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I guess we can, we can wrap up. Uh, we've already talked about you're doing turnstile soon. Uh, what else yes. do you have in store for the rest of the year for final countdown? Let's see here. So I've got a, Oh, actually I forgot. Um, so I've got, I had a listener's choice thing come up. Um, I taken a poll like a month or so ago and I was like, honestly just forgot about it. Had it kind of stashed away. And, uh, so the week of Thanksgiving, I'm doing a Paramore, uh, right. That was the one that won out. So, uh, that's going to be a fun one just because it's not my favorite. It's probably my least favorite Paramore album. Uh, so I, I'm, it's going to be kind of fun to kind of dissect that. Cause I know people, Love it, and, and rightfully so, and I, I do think it's a good album. It's just that in the world of Paramore, it's not my favorite, you know? Yeah, I think but, we um, both agree Brand New Eyes is, is, is the best. That's that's the one, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, Then, so Funeral for a Friend just repressed their first three albums on vinyl, finally, which was, that was one of my, like, grails, like, man, if they ever repress it, I got to get it. And so I'm going to have, like, a Funeral for a Friend, like, 
back-to-back, like first down one week, second down the next week. And then uh, Turnstile is actually going to be after that. Uh, Tiny Moving Parts is going to be right, I want to say right at uh, Christmas with their Breathe album from 2020. And then uh, my top albums of the year. And then after the first of the new year, uh, I'm going to take a little break, probably two weeks or so, kind of gather things, get, you know, get everything kind of back in line. Uh, for my 100th episode, I don't want to say anything too early. I might have something really cool coming up for that one. Uh, still kind of in the talking phase with a particular band. I don't want to spoil it just in case it didn't happen, but uh, that is one. Just be on the lookout, right? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go check out Vinyl Countdown, guys. Uh, his Instagram is at the underscore vinyl underscore countdown underscore podcast uh twitter is at vinyl podcast five um i'm gonna put the link to uh vinyl countdown on spotify and apple podcasts i'm sure those are the two like there's others but um there's endless amounts of podcasts you can listen to um but those are the two main ones mostly yeah i think that's like 85 percent of my listens so it's like yeah that's probably the best way (laughs) yeah i used to do apple podcast but it's just so easy to have it on spotify now yeah um, but yeah, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to, to hear everything you got going on for the rest of the year. And even the hundredth episode, I'm going to, I'm going to fangirl for you, man. I appreciate it, man. But, uh, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, you enjoy your week. Thank you. All right. Thank you.